Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. So I want to talk to you today. Angela and I have this thing that we call annual commitments. We don't do New Year's resolutions because it's so easy to break those, let's face it. Some of y'all probably already broke a New Year's resolution. Anybody want to admit to it? Yeah. I'm going to eat better starting January 1st up on that pumpkin pie first day. Right, I get it. So we make commitments, and we've, just, we've made some commitments this year to, to grow together spiritually, to, to work out, to, to lose some weight. I'm telling y'all, y'all about to have the sexiest pastor in Lebanon, Tennessee. It's just, it's amazing. I'm going to start wearing spandex shirts and skinny jeans. It's going to be awesome. Right? How many of you guys think that Angela is going to let me wear skinny jeans anywhere? No? <laughs> but seriously, we believe that God's called us to a purpose, and that purpose should last, is, is going to be quite a while. And he doesn't intend to take us home, and we're going to do what we can to take care of the temple we've been given so we can minister the gospel as long as we can. Amen? And so that's just part of the commitment that we have. But we have a commitment because we have vision. We have vision because we have mission. And there's a difference between the two, and I want to start today talking about those two things. We're going to get to the celebration part. In fact, anytime you crack open the Word of God, it's a celebration. But we're going to celebrate specifically what God did last year and is going to do this coming year in just a little bit. But today I want to talk to you about the difference between, I want to start by talking about the difference between vision and mission. Here's the difference. Mission is where you're going. The mission statement here is very simple to, to know anyway. Because it's on our back wall. And we make you say it every day before you leave. We exist to be a place where people can come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This is where we are going. This is where we're always going to be going. We are a place that exists for a singular purpose with three sub-purposes that exist because of that singular purpose. The singular purpose is that others might know God. If, we, if it doesn't bring people to a relationship with Jesus, we ain't interested. There's plenty of people out there doing stuff to be doing stuff, feeding the hungry and all those things, and God bless them. But if they're not creating opportunity for the gospel, the church shouldn't be involved in it. Our responsibility is to bring people to a place where they can know who God is. You know why? Because it's only through God that their life is going to matter anyway. So we exist to be a place where this big box can happen, where God can be known. And the reason that's important, and the reason why it's solely important, is because out of this box flows the other three opportunities, an opportunity for freedom. Because until Christ sets you free, you're not free. We've seen people walk in these rooms with addictions and brokenness and divorce and financial dismay, broken every kind of way you can imagine. 
But the power of the Holy Ghost right here in these altars and anywhere in this corner of this room has healed them before they left here. So as they come to know God and as they come to find freedom, then they begin to discover their purpose. Every person in this room has been divinely designed to fulfill a purpose in the kingdom of God. And you may tell you what that purpose is. Generally, I can't tell you what that purpose is specifically, but I can tell you generally, it's to make a difference. Because you know the only difference that you can make, the only difference that's going to matter that you can make, is to go back up to the top of this thing once you've been introduced to God, once you've found freedom, once you've discovered your purpose, and introduce other people that they may know God too. And then that happens in their life, and then they go and tell someone else. And that happens in their life, and they go and tell someone else. It's the beauty of mission. That's the reason why we'll never get there, because it's cyclic. It's never-ending. It's always going. From now until the time that I die, this is what Launch Point Church will exist for. Matter of fact, this is what the church exists for, period. We just happen to frame it like this. To redeem fallen man in the name of Jesus. Amen? So that's where we're going. But because it's where we're going, the mission never changes. Because we had, we're never going to get there. There's always going to be someone else that needs to know God. <coughs> that being said, the difference between mission and vision is mission is where you're going. Vision is how God intends for you to get there. The route you take to get there. This changes from time to time. How can mission never change, but vision always change? Because the circumstances to achieve the mission change. Demographics within a city changes, so you have to minister to them differently. Technology changes, so you have different opportunities for ministry. Finances change, so you minister in a different way. Can I tell you, if we had $10 million in the church account, we'd minister differently than if we had $5 in the church account? And because of that, the roadmap changes, but we're always getting to the same place. That's the importance of vision, making sure that we get to the same place, which is to be a place where people can come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. I know I say this all the time, but I say it all the time on purpose, because if you don't know where you're going, I promise you will never get there. I promise if you shoot at nothing, you will hit nothing every single time. And so we have to get to a place where we recognize where we're going and how God has called us to get there. And so within that, I want to talk about purpose for a moment. I said everybody in here has one. And generally, that is so that other people may know God. But specifically, you're designed to fit in this body a specific way. Some of you are hands, some of you are feet, some of you are eyes, some of you are ears. Everybody has a purpose, a specific purpose that creates the whole of the general purpose. My question to you is, have you sought vision for what that is? Let me tell you the process by which I search vision, for, for both for myself and corporately. 
And it's the reason I'm doing this teaching now. Because I'm going to ask that you hold on to, that you drive forward with, that you commit yourself to, physically and prayerfully and financially, the vision for the congregation. But I'm also going to challenge you, because I've never challenged you this way, to find vision for yourself. What has God called you to do? How many of you guys have said to yourself, Man, I don't know what God wants from me. You know what it's time to do in that moment? It's time to get on your face before the Lord. Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, it's an Old Testament prophet, minor prophet, right next to Nahum between Daniel and Matthew. If you'll turn there, it's on page 799 in my Bible. If you'll turn to Habakkuk, he gives a perfect outline for how to find vision. You know, Pastor Jim, this is supposed to be a celebration. Yes, it is. And it will be. And it is. Because let me tell you, if you can find vision for your life, we're going to celebrate next year better than we celebrated this year. The first thing you need, if you want vision, now if you just want to drive around your life all humdrum, achieving no goal, no purpose, that's between you and God. You'll have to answer for wasting what he gave you. But if you do, here's the outline that I use, laid out very specifically in Scripture. The first thing you have to be willing to do to achieve vision is ask God hard questions. You have to be willing to ask God hard questions. Habakkuk asked God seven hard questions in chapter 1. And they're, I mean, they're tough questions. How are you going to let me be act treated like this? How are you going to let my enemies prosper? Why am I not prospering? These are the promises of God, and I'm not seeing them. I'm not going to go through each one of them specifically, but these are the kinds of questions that he's asking God. Why is he able to ask God those questions? Because he has an intimacy with God. I can ask harder questions of my wife than I can of a first-time visitor. You know why? Because we know each other. She knows the intent of my heart. She knows how much I love her. So even if it rubs against her grain, she knows I don't intend any ill will between us. I just want to get to the bottom of an issue. And so she sees past that to answer my question. If you want to know what the will of God is, you need to be willing to ask hard questions. And you can only ask hard questions from an intimate position. Which means if you ain't in relationship with God, you got no business asking God for anything but the blood of Jesus. Ooh, that's good right there. Somebody ought to write that down. So, hard questions. What's the hardest question you've ever asked? I'll tell you the hardest question I've ever asked of God. And it's a simple question, but it's hard because it's, I was serious when I asked it. And it's where vision has to start. God, what do you want from me? You know, access to everything that God has for you lies in the answer to that question and your willingness to listen to it. God, what do you want from me? God's going to go, since you asked, let me tell you. And he's going to start revealing some things to you. But prior to asking and revealing, you need to do some things. In chapter 2 of Habakkuk, 
I love how beautifully this is laid out. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. This is Habakkuk talking. And he's saying, I'm going to, a rampart, just so you know, is the furthest point removed from the city, but still protected by its walls. So he said, he said, I'm going to go to the rampart, which means I'm going to cut out all the noise in my life. I'm going to cut out all the distractions in my life. Because you know what? If you want to hear a small voice, better make sure no big voices are hanging around. Which means you may have to turn off Facebook for a while. I know, right? Or television. But the Bachelorette's coming on. God don't care about the Bachelorette. He cares about you. Are you willing to cut the noise out of your life long enough for God to tell you something? So he cut the noise out of his life. And then it says, and I will keep watch to see what he will, what he will speak to me. And so he expected Listen, he asked the hard question. He removed himself from the noise. And then he expected God to answer him. Any of you guys ever prayed and never expected God to answer that prayer? Because that is the definition of foolishness. Who, who prays and doesn't expect God to answer? I expect God to answer every time I pray. May not be with the answer. It's very rarely with the answer that I want. But I expect him to answer. And so he, he, he's patient and he expects. He says, I will wait. How long you got to wait? How long I got to wait, Pastor Jim? Until God decides to tell you. I don't know. Some of us get too big of a hurry. Would you think I was rude if I went up to you and said, hey brother, what do you do for a living? And then walked away before you had a chance to answer? Or what's your name? And walked away before you had a chance to answer? Or can I borrow 20 bucks and walk away before you had time to answer? Yeah, but we do it to God all the time and somehow don't think it's rude. God, will you give me such and such? Will you show me such and such? Will you prove me such and such? And then we walk away. We can't hear him because there's too much noise in our life. We haven't set ourselves aside and we haven't waited both physically and spiritually for him to answer. I'm not saying lock yourself in your closet for 24 hours. I'm just saying be prepared to listen. Be prepared to wait physically or spiritually or both. And then something incredible happens. Something happens that none of us expect to happen. Which is the reason why so many people don't have vision. He reprimands us. What? What? Before God gives you fresh vision, expect to be reprimanded. Expect to be convicted. You've just asked God to fill your vessel with something new and fresh. And you got all this funky water and dirty water in, in your vessel. Why is he going to reprimand you? Because he wants to convict you. So that all that dirty water, that mess, and that wreck that shouldn't be in you can be replaced with the fresh vision that he wants to give you. We pray for vision without ever praying conviction. Or without ever praying for forgiveness. 
Lord, help us see the necessity of conviction and vision and respond to it properly. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help myself to understand that I don't have because I didn't ask, because I didn't sit silently, because I didn't remove myself. Because when God showed me something about myself I didn't like, I decided I didn't want to let go of that because it was comfortable to me. I want you to do such and such. I can't do that. I like that. I like this particular sin, or I like that particular relationship. God doesn't care about that. God cares about you. The biggest lie American society is told today is God wants you to be happy. Did you hear what I said? It's not that he doesn't want you to be happy, but in regard to your holiness, he could care less about your happiness. He wants you holy first. Joy comes in relationship. I promise it just will. Y'all, that doesn't make any sense. You're asking me to give up all this stuff that I enjoy so I can have joy? Yes, because there's a different kind of joy that you haven't even broken the surface of yet that's going to overwhelm you, I promise. The Holy Spirit taking you and grabbing a hold of you and changing you and and, and creating righteousness in you is just a, a joy, unless you've experienced, is almost impossible to explain. And then he finally says, expect the reprimand, and then the vision. He says, then the answer, then the Lord answered me. Praise God. He did the stuff, and God was faithful to do what he said he'd do. He answered me. And then he told him, he said, write the vision down so that someone can run with it. You know who that someone is? You. You got to write the vision down. You know why the vision has to be written down? How many of you guys knew at some point in your life, and I want to see a set of hands, man, I know this is what God's called me to do, and then the circumstances of life has caused you to abandon that and do something else. You know why that happened? Because you didn't write the vision down. Because as the enemy told you one little lie after another little lie after another little lie, you have ultimately were convinced that you weren't supposed to do that in the first place. But if you write it down, the devil can't lie to you. I have a journal at my house. I actually have many journals at my house. But one of them specifically is very dear to me. Diane and Donna, her sister, got it for me right before we planted the church or as we were planting the church. And inside of this journal is, every, is our mission statement, every vision that God's given us, everything that God's told us to do, every victory that we've had, all of these things are written down. You know why I wrote them down? Because the devil's still a liar. Pastor Jim, you were called to go plant this church. A year and a half later, I almost shut this church down. A year and a half later, I didn't get out of my bed for a week with my covers pulled over my head, depressed. Because a couple that I loved dearly left this church. And I thought, if I can't minister to the people that are supposed to love me, how am I ever going to minister to the people that don't? And so I must have misheard from God. And this is what I struggled with in prayer for a week. Literally turning the key of the church over in my hand. And then, and then I picked this, this journal up. And I saw the vision. And I was all, 
doesn't matter what happens. This is what God called me to. It brought me back to center. It brought me back to Him. Every victory is in there. Can I tell you? There is thir- there's $35,000 $35, worth of work done to this building that we didn't pay for while we were renovating it by people that happened to drive by or knew somebody that went to church here and just wanted to help. We had guys come in and say, hey, what were you doing here? We said, we're building a church. They first saw first they'd say, next to a beer store? <laughs> right? And he said, we're better else than next to a beer store. The next question is, how can I help? Well, what do you do? Well, I'm an electrician. Every one of these lights were set and placed for free. A ceiling guy came in and put in our ceiling for free. Somebody came in and put our floor in for free. The striping around the back for free. The carpet was adjusted for free. $35,000 worth of work for free. I wrote all those things down. Those things don't happen if God didn't call this church to be open. You know what I did? I got my raggedy butt out of bed, put my key back in my pocket, and went to work. There'll be a time when you're running with the vision and the road's going to split on you. You're not going to have time to slow down. You need to write that thing down so that you already know what you're doing. You already know what God's called you to. Amen? Why do I take so much time with this? Because not only is the corporate vision important, the corporate vision is impossible without the body having personal vision. I am the least, and I don't say this in false humility, I mean it. I am the least significant person that works here. By the time they get to me, to hear me talk, somebody has loved them, someone has shaken their hand, someone has ministered to them through song, They've decided whether they're ever coming back in here before I open my mouth. You know who all of those people are? All of you people want you to determine what, your, what God's will is for your life. It's important. Why is it important? Because when we have vision, we produce fruit. Acts chapter 2 says this. Gives a model, a perfect model of what the church should be and what it, what it should produce. In verse 42, chapter 2 of Acts, it says this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Did you catch that? Like, this is what they were doing. This was what the church was accomplishing. This is what they were committed to, dedicated to, devoted to, which means to give constant, unwavering attention to. This was their lifestyle. This wasn't something they did on Sunday or Wednesday night. This wasn't something they did when they met with their Christian friends, but did something else when they weren't with their Christian friends. This was literally what they did and who they were. They were people that committed themselves to faithful, true teaching and, te- teaching and preaching of the gospel. They were committed to fellowship. They were committed to breaking of bread together and to prayer. 
And because they did that, God showed out. How did he show out, you ask? As Scott says, I'm glad you asked. Everyone kept sensing, feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. What happens when we commit ourselves to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer? The people in this building and outside of it are in awe of the things God are doing. God is doing. I tell you, people out there who may not be saved are still in awe. They're not sure what's different about this place, but they know something is different. Why, why is he always happy? Why is he always so generous? Why is he always so willing? Why doesn't he say, join us in the conversations where we bash our boss? You know why? Because somebody that's committed to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer won't do that. So there's all, and you know the purpose of all? To create signs and wonders. The wonderful, magnificent things that God is doing that point, which is what signs do, to Jesus. In 44, it continues, it said, all those who had believed were together and all had everything in common. So their proper teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer created unity in the body. You know why people come to the church for the first time? Not just this one, any church, the big C church. Most of them because they're hurting. And they're hurting bad. And somewhere, somehow, they heard that there was a rumor of hope here. And they need some chains broken. Do you know how chains are broken? The anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how the Holy Spirit moves? By unity in the body. That's the reason why we try so hard to be family here. Because we need to love each other. We need to give consideration to one another. You don't look like me. You don't act like me. You don't have the money I have. You don't, you don't do whatever. But you know what? We're still brothers in the Lord. And if we believe that, we'll be unified together like a family. And the chains will be broken when people come in here. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them as anyone might have need. So they produced the fruit not only of unity, but of generosity. Can I tell you, a person that is in relationship with God is a giver. And I'm not just talking about money, although I'm not talking about, not, not talking about money. I'm talking about of your time. There are people in this room that's, that don't work here, and by that I mean don't get paid here, that are here 20 hours a week. Is everybody called to that? That's between you and the Lord. I've told you how I seek vision. But a learned heart a heart that's learned the teaching and the preaching of the gospel, that understands fellowship, that understands the necessity of breaking bread together in the sacraments and pray together, are always going to be generous people. You know why? Because we want someone else to have what we have. And I don't mean financially, I mean in, our, in, in Jesus. 
I give every dime I gave. I give for one purpose. That God might be known. Not only that, it says day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Joy is a fruit. When you have vision, when you do all the stuff you're supposed to do as the church and individually inside the church, you'll have joy. I've just talked about that a moment ago. I love this place. This is my place of joy. This is, I've posted a couple of times. I, my, past, my pastor calls it a, a victory lap. Back when I worked at Cornerstone, he would stop and he would, he would intentionally go out of his way to drive around the church or go inside of it and sit down. Just because it, it brought him joy to be in, be in the church. There's something magical about the church. Dang right there he is. This is where the people of God gather. People, oh, I don't need the church. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the church needs you. Imagine holding the key to someone else's freedom. They show up. And you decide to sleep in. You're, ah, you're being overdramatic seen it happen I've seen people come in here looking for a specific someone and that person not be here and they leave just as burdened as they walked in here because somebody told them that their testimony could help them that their sleep was more important oh man that's tough true though tough or not you just gotta just gotta deal with it so not only joy but finally Praising God and having favor of all the people. They had favor with the people. There's a lady came to our church several months ago, or maybe a month and a half ago, that said, man, when I came, she met me over here after service. She said, when I first came here, like I pulled into the lot, and I expected this to be a church of a thousand, at least. And I was like, what? She said, I expected this to be a church of a thousand. I said, why would you think this was a church of a thousand? She said, your social media presence plus your reputation in town, the church's reputation in town, <laughs> what I know that the church does as far as outreach and stuff like that. She goes, I'd have never figured a church this size would accomplish all of that. That's favor. When people look at this church from the outside and think there has to be a thousand people crammed in this room, that's not just favor, that's miraculous. Do we want favor for favor's sake? No, we want favor for, because it gives us audience with people that don't know Jesus. And when we do all of these things, the Lord adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. Did you catch that? How beautiful is that? People say, do you worry about so-and-so leaving the church? Nope. Does it hurt your feelings when so-and-so leaves the church? Yep. Do you chase after them? Nope. You know why? They make a decision this ain't their church. They shouldn't be here. The Lord grows His church. Now they may go somewhere else and be fruitful and multiply and do all the stuff we've talked about somewhere else. Mine ain't the only preaching voice in town. We're here to make the bigger C church bigger. 
The Lord grows His church. I actually had a pastor in town not very long ago. He told me, he said, you know, your view towards that actually probably slows the increase of your crowd. I was all, praise the Lord, because all the uncommitted people you can have. <laughs> but God grows His church, and He will, and He has. Our vision for the last four years has been called, or for the, for the last three years or four, what will be three years, is the grow vision. We started last year in 2020. And as I told you then, I tell you now, because this is just a continuation of a three-year vision, that G stands for ground, R stands for righteousness, O stands for we'll grow in outreach, and W will grow in our personal worship to the point of sacrificially being worshipful. Today I want to talk to you real fast and celebrate the ground that we've gained this year. Next, next week I'm going to talk about how we grow in righteousness. And then the week after that, how we grow in our outreach. And then the week after that, the, how we worship as a sacrificial lifestyle. But for now, can I talk to you about the ground that we've gained this year through Christ Jesus? God is so good. I want to start by saying we're growing in ground. We will buy property this year to build on. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited about that Amen. because we stopped being a transient church three years ago. But people still drive by here and think we're a transient church, so they don't stop. Now, that's shallow on their part, but every Christian's shallow until they get deep. Amen? So I say we give them a space to get deep. I, I talked to a guy the other day about church building and stuff like that. He said, what kind of church are you trying to build? I said, man, I'm trying to build a production center for disciples. That's it. I said, I don't need brass and glass. I don't need $1,000 light fixtures. I need a place with a door and an altar and a stage on it. That's what I need. Can you help me with that? He said, oh, yeah, we'll figure that out. And but that's not all God's done this year. God's been so good to us. In a year where so many have seen decline, your average church attendance right now is somewhere around 50 to 60% pre-COVID numbers. And my pastor, who travels all over the country now that he's retired, helping other churches in their growth and in their administration and stuff like that, tells me that we are only one of two churches that he's aware of in the United States that came back after COVID at 100%. But praise God, we didn't just come back at 100%. In 2020, in a year where everybody says this year is horrible, we've seen 18 or is it 13% growth. 13% growth is incredible in a good year. 13% growth. I'm not dogging these other churches. I don't know what God has for them. I'm just telling you, God's been faithful to our church. God's been faithful to accomplish the work He's called us to. He's been faithful to resource the people He's called to do it so that we could do, so that we could do what we're called to do. God's incredible, man. Our, our giving in a time where most churches are seeing 50 to 50-ish percent of their given decline where they're having to plan this year's budget on 50% of what they planned for last year. 
we didn't see a decrease in giving. We saw a 2.3% increase in giving. And it's, it's people all, and I told somebody that there, that's, that's only 2.3%. In a time where everybody else is cutting their budget in half, God is sustained and adding an additional 2.3%. You know why God does those things? He doesn't do those things so that we could build fancy buildings and so we could do all that stuff, but so that I could stand up here and so that you could go to wherever it is you go and declare how awesome and how good and how, how, how he provides so well for those that are faithful to do what he's called them to do. We've accomplished so much this year. Connect groups are up 25%. Not only are connect groups up 25%, we've been able to give away through our food bank plus 3,000 pounds worth of food so that kids in our community may not be hungry that's good stuff man not only that is one of the numbers that i'm i'm proud of super proud of is that we've been able and i quit counting because i, I couldn't put a specific number so i got to this number and says you know what it's on the side of caution we have done five thousand hours plus of volunteer service in this community in 2020. That is 90, at the average wage in the state of Tennessee, that's $95,000 worth of free labor in this community to gain favor and influence so that we might declare the gospel of Jesus. That's why people walk in here and say, I was expecting a church of a thousand because God is faithful. Amen? We go on and on and on. None of our numbers are down. We've been able to help four church plants this year. And what I mean by help, either provide financially for them, leadership assistance, uh, materials, volunteerism, whatever it takes, four, four churches this year. As you heard from India, we planted a whole church in India based off of giving on Wednesday. We just... He showed up. God laid it on my heart to just donate the whole thing to, to his ministry. And they planted a church out of what we were able to give. A whole church and put a pastor there. Can I tell you? Y'all excited about that. God doesn't care any more about you than he does about the souls in India. He loves them just as much as he loves you. And there's a whole lot more per capita of them unsaved than there are here. No telling what that seed's going to bear. The year before that, we were able to plant seven churches. The year before that, we were able to plant five. This church, because of its faithfulness, has been able to assist in the church plant of 16 churches. Launch point isn't just a name. Can I give you the biggest number, the greatest number? Over 100 people saw their... Saw we saw over 100 people give their life to the Lord this year. I say that, 100 that we can verify. With 5,000 hours worth of volunteer time, intent specifically to tell people about the gospel, there's no telling how many. Brother Dallas was telling me about his Bible study Sunday. They saw three people give their life to the Lord Sunday. What did you say, two the Sunday before that? There's no telling which who you guys are reaching. And I'm so proud of you. And I know God is so proud of you. In addition to that number, David 
Peden, Pastor David Peden, pastors, we are church. He got kicked out of his church at the beginning of the year because they were seeing in, they were meeting in a gymnasium and all the schools shut down. And so because of your generous giving, we, we offered him this space for free on Friday. So he had church in our building most of the year and was able to save up money. We didn't charge him a dime because the building's already here. You guys are generous. They're a church plant. They need to get on their feet and save some money. And I tell you, the 20 people in their service gave their life to the Lord. Not only that, but they were able to save up enough money and make some connections and gain enough influence that they're moving into their building February the 1st. An actual building, not a school building where they have to worry about what somebody's going to tell them to do. Let me tell you, God is good. Amen. God is good. What do I need from you moving forward? I need you to pray. You're all, oh, okay, no problem. You know what irritates me worse than anything? When a missionary comes in here and a missionary says, man, I need your money, but if you don't have any money, least you could do is pray for me. No, the most you can do is pray for me because God is the provider. Prayer is the nerve that moves the omnipotent hand of God. You want God to move on your behalf? How about you ask your father for something? So many of us are in need because we're scared to ask our dad for anything. Prayer is the greatest thing you can do to accomplish the vision. God, let this vision move forward. Let it move forward in a mighty way so that you might be glorified. That's the prayer, so that he might be glorified, so people might come to know him, so that people may come to freedom, so that people may discover their purpose, so that people may ultimately make a difference, which is to introduce other people to God. This is the prayer to make, amen? amen. So that's what I need from you, prayer. And while that's on my mind, these cards are available at the door. We're going on a 10-day fast, starting tomorrow. When I say we, I mean me and my wife... We're just asking you if you want to join in. You're, we're resourcing you to do that. And on this card are 10 prayer points along with verses. Fast however you feel led to. Some people, because of dietary issues or restrictions, can't, can't do a full fast. I'm going to do a liquid fast for 10 days. Let me tell you, if you've never fasted before, fasting is a discipline that you learn. Don't, don't roll into a 10-day fast you're going to fail. You're going to feel like a failure. It's going to be horrible. Just commit to what you can commit to based on where you're at spiritually. But take that time to seek the face of God. Amen? And then at noon every day during this 10 days starting tomorrow, I'm going to do a Facebook Live devotion and prayer time so we can all pray together. So I need prayer from you. I need commitment from you. Let me fix that. I need continued commitment from you because you're a dedicated church. I need generosity from you both in your life and in your giving. we got a lot to accomplish and I'm getting old. And finally, what I need from you is expectation. Miraculous things happening in the, in the environment of expectation. Do you expect the seat next to you to be full this time next year? You should. And if you truly expect it, you'll invite someone to fill that seat. 
Do you expect the kingdom of God to grow? You should. And if you really expect it to grow and believe God's empowered you to let that happen, you'll tell somebody about Jesus this year. I need you to be a people of prayer, commitment, generosity, and expectation. And then I just want you to sit back with me, 2021, and be amazed at how God shows up. Because I believe he will. Because he already has. Amen?